welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Files. I'm Kim Menninger, and I am so grateful that you are here. It's now been more than a year since I started this podcast, and I can't tell you how much I've learned and grown from the conversations that we've had here. As you may have heard me share, I have struggled with imposter syndrome and anxiety for much of my life, so this is a very personal journey for me. I do this podcast because I want us to share our stories with each other and to stop suffering in silence. Imposter syndrome is a pretty universal human experience and nothing we should be ashamed of. By listening to or supporting this podcast, you're helping me to advance my mission of destigmatizing this conversation and making it safe for everyone to be vulnerable and get the support they need. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support this mission even further, please consider subscribing. And if you feel inclined to leave a five-star review, this really does help raise the visibility of the podcast so that others can find us. And please consider sharing with your friends. Lastly, if you have a story you'd like to share, connect with me anytime. I would be happy to interview you. Thanks again for being here. Welcome, Debbie. It is so great to meet you and to have you here today. I'd love to start by learning a little bit more about you. Oh, Kim, thank you. It is my pleasure to be here for sure. Um, I guess how I'm showing up and why I'm here today. About 10 years ago, I started having some health issues that I couldn't ignore any longer. And that kind of took me down this long and winding road of autoimmune disease diagnosis and treatment. Um, until I was taking like nine different prescription medications several times a day and feeling worse. And so I slowly started to take my power back as my health was concerned and eventually had this conversation with my rheumatologist that made me think maybe if I step away from my job, I had a 14 year career in teaching. If I left that, I would eliminate all my stress and I would solve this problem once and for all. That would be like the magic bullet to healing. And what happened was I left my job and then I found myself in like the deepest, darkest place I had been yet and still in pain and still sick. And so what I've done since then has really been in an effort to kind of claw myself out of that darkness and not go back in hopes of breaking cycles for my own daughters and not starting any new ones. And it just so happened through healing that emotional part of myself, I started to heal the physical part of myself too. And ultimately learning to heal my body physically has just meant I've been empowered is the positive way of saying it to show up in the world in a completely different way than I ever expected that I would. And my life looks much different than I ever, ever expected it would. That's so fascinating to me. And I can't wait to dive mm. further into that because that we, we hear about the mind body connection, but when it's you, right, when you're the one in this situation, it's harder to, to think about it that way. And so I'm really curious to hear more about the empowerment piece. Um, before we go there, I just want to ask you a little bit about your own thoughts on imposter syndrome. How does it show up for you? How do you think about imposter syndrome? 
Sure. Well, part of um, coming to health meant discovering or becoming aware of my coping mechanisms that had sort of gotten me, you know, as far as they did in life, um, served me for a time, helped me sort of never deal with this trauma that I experienced when I was younger and keep people at arm's length, um, you know, out of a lack of trust, I'm sure with myself and with others and not really wanting to ever deal with this trauma or really show up in a real way to other people. So for me, that was perfectionism and people pleasing. And that happens to be very socially acceptable, um, which is probably why I chose that one. You know, other people have have ways of coping that are less so. Uh, but for me, that's what it was. And so getting healthy really meant getting real and showing up as my real self and then learning to um, trust my own inner intuition and guidance. And like I said earlier, that meant doing a lot of things that I never thought I would be doing. So, um, first of all, just being vulnerable and authentic and then following that intuition to do things like write a book or, or start a business or, um, have, have a podcast. Right. And so in doing that, you're really exposed. These are new things I had never done. Uh, certainly still struggle with being brave enough to be real and, and do these things without feeling like I'm a fraud or I don't deserve it, or I shouldn't do it, or people will be judging me. And so, yeah, kind of always going back to that perfectionism, people-pleasing tendency and trying to continue to step toward a more authentic, vulnerable path um, definitely makes imposter syndrome show up over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that the perfectionism, people-pleasing piece is such a hallmark of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious, just in, in connection to what you were saying about the empowerment that came with managing your own illness, you seem to be very introspective. You seem to have a really good sense of, you know, how the challenges that you faced have shown up for you and the impact that they've had. Would you say that the illness that you experienced led you to these insights in the way that you see yourself in the world now? Um, I mean, it's a strange way to think about an illness, but is that mm-hmm. something that actually helped you to get to where you are? Certainly. And I don't think it's strange at all. I think like that's part of resiliency, right? That's part of overcoming is finding the path through the obstacles, right? And not just getting stuck in the obstacles. Not that I didn't, and I certainly wasn't always aware. But after years of trying and looking for like the magic bullet and failing over and over again, um, I really had to come to a level of awareness. Uh, I, you know, I would still be probably in that deep, dark hole or worse if I, if I hadn't. And so eventually all the paths pointed to this one, but there was a lot of unawareness. There was a lot of trial and error. There was certainly, um, you know, moments stuck on the couch, feeling sick and not being a part of my life or a part of my family. Um, 
and, and those led to the path too. Um, so it's not immediate or right away, but uh, the obstacles kind of pointed the way in the road eventually. I don't know if I answered that question very well, but... Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I actually have a follow-up question for you too, because I'm sure this is very um, difficult to boil down. And you probably talk about this in your book, but how do you remember getting from the darkness to a place where you could start to see that you had an opportunity here, that you had more power than you thought you did? Like, well, how, mm-hmm. how did you recognize that? What did that transition look like? So that was very long. Um, and it started at first with me not only listening to my doctors and giving all of my power to them or to the validation of a diagnosis or a prescription medication, right? So what felt very like um, rebellious at the time was like, I'm going to start working on the the food I put in my body. I'm going to try to to give myself better you know, nutrients. Um, and then there were, I call these superficial only because I'll get there, but there were all these superficial things that I thought would be the magic bullet. So, um, then I was eliminating toxicities in my environment and the products I used. I was working on the way I moved my body. Um, and then I, you know, the last thing was like, oh, it's, it's stress and all the stress is my job. And so I did that. And with each one of those things, I didn't like spontaneously heal or get better. Right. And what happened was because I was this profession, perfectionist, people pleasing type person, all of those things that I used to try to heal just became another way to level up that perfectionism and people pleasing until I could become aware of that. Right. So it was like, I controlled my food until I over controlled it. And it probably became a bit disordered. I did the same thing with exercise until it was like a punishing amount. And so little bits of awareness would creep in there where it was like, this hurts. I I feel like I'm punishing myself. And eventually I was looking for this other very superficial fix, which is not to say these aren't an important part of a holistic care healing type of program, right? But I had read about this gut-brain connection, how important healing our gut is to healing our overall health. And I went to a chiropractor um, because I was confused about probiotics. And so I just sat down and told her like, I want a probiotic. I don't know which one's the best one. They're like all different prices. They're all different. And, um, for whatever reason, she really saw right through that. And she said, hold up, like what's really going on here. And I didn't really want to get into that, but she eventually ended up, um, doing some other work with my body, some somatic work that kind of opened up this faith in me. This is figurative, obviously, but this connection between this trauma I had never dealt with and where I was at now in my life. And um, I kept going back to her, even though I was like, I didn't want to, it didn't feel great at the time. Um, It felt like the harder work to do. I went out like looking for skeptics. I asked my husband and a good friend, I was like, can you believe she wants to do this? And they were like, well, you've tried everything else. I don't know why you wouldn't try it. And so over the course of a few months, 
this pain I had been carrying in my body began to lessen and eventually leave. And all the work wasn't really done in her office. It kind of just pointed the way to what I needed to continue working on. Um, but when you've been in pain for a long time and you start to feel that pain go away, uh, that's enough of a motivator to keep going toward that. And so then I just in, was intuitively kind of guided and led to the next sources of healing. And um, that's kind of how those two things fell in line. There was a lot of like, this will be the next thing. This will be the next thing until I discovered, oh, this is what I do. This is what I'm really good at. And I have to kind of let go of that so that now I can use food in like a loving way and not a controlling way. Same thing with moving my body or, or anything I use to help my myself or my body. So obviously it's more complicated than this. And I don't, you know, I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but I'm curious if you're feeling like the tr the the illness, or at least some of of what you've experienced, was a manifestation of unresolved trauma. Are you saying that working through some of the things that you had been avoiding in the past, or maybe didn't even know needed to be addressed, helped you to better manage your physical health? Yeah. And a lot, there are a lot of scientists and doctors that would say the same thing. So later I was read, led to books. Um, one's called The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. And another one's called When the Body Says No by Gabor Mate. Both doctors, um, they talk about this connection between our nervous system and physical manifestations in our body. So I don't want to get, you know, like I'm not a doctor, obviously. Also, I'm not, you know, a chemist or whatever, but I, I do know that what happens when we repress our emotions or have, have trauma that we don't allow ourselves to deal with and release, our body knows that it remembers that. And so there are these processes in our nervous system that are just designed for short term survival, right? So these flight or fight hormones. Um, but we can get trapped in those cycles of, of fight or flight if we're not aware of, of, you know, what's going on in our body because of our own perceptions and reactions and choices and how we deal with certain things. And a lot of it isn't a choice, right? And so, uh, those sustained, um, amounts of time with those hormones are just repeated over and over those chemicals that are just meant for short term over the long term cause chronic illness in our body of real physical illness, measurable heart, lung disease, or whatever, whatever it is, pain, physical pain, chronic pain. Um, and so, yeah, I do believe that in the beginning, I would have thought if a doctor said like, watch your stress, that I thought they were saying it's in my mind and they were like invalidating my illness. Um, and now I know it's in my mind and it's in my body and it's all related and there's no separating those things. Right. And so it's just about becoming aware of our own stuff and how we deal with stuff and the lies we might be telling ourselves about what is 
true fight or flight and what isn't, right? Our body doesn't know the difference. It just knows what we tell it. And so I wish I could answer your questions in a short, succinct, no. succinct way. But yeah, I think there is a connection there. And I think it's been validated by a lot of time and research and medical evidence. And um, there's definitely a connection between certain personality types and chronic illnesses or autoimmune diseases that, that they've been able to find. So short answer is yes, I, that is what I'm saying. Yeah, it makes so much sense too. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who we we know the numbers are really high in terms of people who've been officially diagnosed with autoimmune disorders, but I'm sure there are plenty of other people too that just have unexplained pain or fatigue or other symptoms that they're not sure how to manage. And this kind of connection that you're talking about is really powerful for, for all of us to think about. And, mm. and it I keep coming back in my mind too to this whole perfectionism piece because we feel pressure to be perfect for a reason, right? Who are we trying to be perfect for? And why are we trying to be perfect? And usually it's not something that we have consciously thought about. It usually does tie back to something much earlier in our lives where we didn't have the maturity, the brain development, the resources to manage it in the way that we would as an adult. And so that kind of reflection and inner work, I guess, has got to be really important. How, how you mentioned the chiropractor, you've mentioned different sources. Was there a therapist involved? I mean, is there, is that part of what you're describing too? Yeah. Part of me wants to say like, oh, I should have gone to a therapist. It wasn't my path. I was like very afraid to do the work. I didn't go to a therapist at the time. I just started. I did go to my chiropractor who, if anyone's listening, I would be using chiropractor in quotes because I would call her more of like a holistic healer. I live in a really small rural area and chiropractor is an accessible term, but she does a lot of other work. And so I, I didn't know about this somatic type of therapy at the time. And so she was kind of acting as a therapist, but not a talk therapist. Um, what, what really became clear for me when I was in that dark moment was that was like a winter. And when I came out of it in like both a metaphorical and literal spring, I feel really grateful that I could actually see how low I got. Right. And so the things that were going on in my mind were like, why am I still here? It would be better if I wasn't here, which is an icky thing to like, go back and realize you were saying to yourself and also scary to see how far that could go and where that could lead. But I was also saying things in my mind, like how did you get here? How could you be at the time I was like, uh, early to mid 40. 30s, sorry. And I was saying like, how could you be this old and not even know what you want? Like all I had really done and gotten good at to that point was showing up in the world in a way I thought other people wanted me to. And thought is the key word there, right? I got really good at being and doing what I thought other people wanted me to be and do. And I really judged myself harshly for that for a while. 
But then I saw that the way out of that was to try to get to know and trust myself and my own intuition and my own guide. And so part of that was just like being led to a certain author, reading her book or listening to a TED talk. So for me, that was like Brene Brown and shame. And I learned to release shame. Right. And then Glennon Melton and talking about these coping skills that I'm talking about and realizing like, oh, you know, some people use alcohol or use drugs and I use perfectionism and people pleasing to numb and cope. And so then I could start to unpack that. I read a book about journaling to heal and I really used that process, which sort of developed into the book intuitively. And um, I used that to finally like release the trauma and then just other like um, things I learned about the nervous system. I mentioned those two doctors uh, learning to calm my nervous system and react to stress differently and, and really realize how often I was lying to myself about what was stressful and what wasn't, um, how busy I was making myself and, and how that was serving my ego. So yeah, just little steps one at a time, just trying the next thing to heal. Now that being said, like talk therapy is great. If you're low, if you're really depressed, like I was, that's probably a, a good choice. I just didn't do that. That wasn't my choice. I didn't feel led there, but luckily I was led to a lot of other places that ultimately helped me heal. And I can imagine that anyone, you know, that there are a lot of people listening that are thinking, oh my gosh, she's speaking to me. <laughs> mm. What, it sounds like there's a lot of what you're talking about that felt intuitive to you, right? Are there things that you would recommend that somebody start with or like what's a first step or a way to think about even accessing your intuition in this place? Yeah. So I think first of all, just noticing our thoughts, actions, routines, behavior without judging them. So just being the noticer um, realizing that the real you, like the soul of you, your intuition is below all of that. Those are just things that are happening, right. Or thought processes or whatever. And so when you can learn to notice those and, and, and not judge them, you can really untangle from them. So then I could detach from the roles and the lies I had told myself, right? So like, I am not my body. I am not my pain. I am not my diagnosis. I am not my mom or my dad or whatever it is for someone else. Uh, I am not my house or my car or my clothes or my possessions, Wh whatever you're wrapping yourself up in or, or hiding behind. Um, and then as far as intuition goes, once you get below those things and you can notice and detach, you can really write a new story based on whatever you want. You get to tell yourself what the truth is. And so for me, really, um, I had denied my own intuition and guidance for so long that it was very quiet. And so I just had to hold it loosely and think of it more as like curiosity and step toward whatever the next curious thing was and allow myself to fail. Like maybe that's the wrong thing. Maybe I wasted a little bit of money uh, trying to figure that out and that's okay. And so that really helped me just think of it as curiosity and hold it loosely, like not strangle it or think it had to be perfect or work out. Um, 
And, and slowly over time, then that intuition began to grow and I could trust it more and stepping toward it. And I could be a lot lighter and looser with it if it didn't work out. Just look at it like each thing is just a lesson leading to the next thing. Even if it's a failure, it's not really because it's pointing the direction to the next thing. There are certainly resources I I, in retrospect, I, I only have the one path, right? And these things were presented when they were, but it wasn't like seven years down the road until I did read those books by Bessel van der Kolk and Gabor Mate. And then the book Expressive Writing, uh, Journaling to Heal, I think is what it's called. I can share it with you if you want for your show notes, but it shows research between um, a journaling practice and healing that that shows the same type of research for talk therapy. So everyone has their own path and I'm not saying what's right for anyone, but journaling is free. You can do it in your home anytime you want and you don't have to go to someone else. That being said, I'm not, you should seek, you know, professional help if you're feeling um, like you need it for sure. Or if you're in that dark place that I found myself in, I'm sure it would be good. But, you know, those are some things I think like if I could, just if I am speaking to anyone, I hope I could shortcut their path in some way. Maybe they could have those resources before I had them or learn to trust themselves a little sooner. Speaking of shortcutting, you mentioned your daughters, right? Mm. How is your relationship with your daughters different now? Yeah. So anytime there's this unconscious behavior action, right? So for me, those coping mechanisms of perfectionism and people pleasing, I didn't know at the time, but I was definitely pushing that off on my daughters too, right? Uh, not that I would want to, um, not that I meant that, but just by the mere fact of me showing up in the world that way, I was kind of pushing that off on them. And so, um, things are mother and daughtery, right? They're getting older. There's nothing perfect. I'm still figuring it out as I go. And I, I'm still making mistakes, but there is a lot more awareness behind it and allowing the more I learn to love myself, the more I can hold space for whatever they need within themselves without making them feel like they have to be different, react different, respond differently. And the hope is then they can love themselves too, right? For the longest time, it was more of like, do as I say, not as I do. Being a teacher, I know that's the wrong way to teach anyone anything. And so it took a long time to find my own internal worthiness uh, rather than just doing it for them. But once I started to realize that until I truly loved myself in a way that I could be an example and not just tell them what I wanted for them. I wasn't really showing up for them the way I wanted to. So now the hope is I love myself so much that that spills over and it can't help, but you know, like they can't help but soak in that love too. And so I don't get that right always, but I try and each step, you know, is like a little bit closer to that awareness and that place that I hope to be where they can be who and what they need to be. And hopefully I'm here as a little bit of a guide and an example. But. Mm, I love that so much. And because it just shows the power, not only to you personally, but to to them and what 
they will be for their families, right? It's just such a powerful effect of of really addressing those underlying issues that you know, we nobody gets out of this life unscathed, right? We all mm-hmm. have our own inner turmoil that's yeah. showing up in different ways, right? And I just think it's so important to think about it as something that can be managed, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and it just sounds to me like you unfortunately had more pain or it came to the surface in more undeniable ways, right? It was became, it reached a point where there was no hiding from it anymore, which kind of mm-hmm. forced you in, down this this new path. But what a gift that it did. Yeah, I would say for sure it was a gift. Um, there have been a lot of good things to come to my life because of it. So I am grateful for that. And gosh, I hope, yeah, I hope that ends in a good place for my daughters and and my family. And I think at any rate, it's got to be better than where it was headed before. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is such an inspirational story. I am so grateful to you for sharing it with us. Is there anything that you want to say in closing, anything that you're hoping people will take away from this or that we didn't get to? Um, what would I say? I think that ultimately if we're feeling a sense of imposter syndrome, right? Uh, we're probably not feeling worthy of whatever it is we're feeling led or called to, or however we're expected to show up in the world. And so I think it might come from this internal worthiness and why we feel a lack of that and how we might be able to nurture ourselves in a way that grows that. Um, And so I would just ask anyone in your community, the same thing I try to ask myself when I feel sucked back into old ways of being or triggered into my old ways of numbing and coping. And that is, If I really loved myself, I would. And then fill in that blank, right? And maybe you don't know the answer to that right away, but you can feel empowered to sort of step toward that and begin to learn how to answer that question. And I think when we show up in that way, we can't help but benefit the others that we're in a relationship with. Hmm. I love that so much. This is so powerful. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it, Kim. This is my pleasure completely. Um, I love to have this kind of good, real conversation. So thank you. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to stay connected, please join the Leading Women Discussion Group, which meets every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern. This is a place where women come together to discuss questions or challenges related to leadership development and career management. It's a great place to learn from, support, and connect with other women on similar journeys. In addition to the weekly calls, we also have a Facebook group and a Slack channel where we stay connected and support each other. Please join us there too. You can check out the show notes for the links. Before we wrap up, If you like this podcast, I would love to share another podcast with you that I know you will enjoy. Do you ever find yourself playing small? Do you want to take risks, but in the end, you end up taking the safe route? Does your inner critic keep you from reaching your full potential? 
As counterintuitive as it often feels, we don't become confident first and then take action. It's through our actions that we build our confidence. That's why one of the greatest ways to manage imposter syndrome is by taking brave and bold action. If you want inspiration and insights to help you to take action and to be brave at work, then my friend and colleague, Jen Pastikas's Brave Women at Work podcast is for you. Jen and I met when we interviewed each other for our podcasts, and I knew instantly that Jen and I shared a similar worldview and a commitment to empowering women to be our best selves. On her podcast, Jen digs into common challenges such as perfectionism, boundary setting, and burnout, all to empower us to shift our mindsets and play bigger in the workplace. You can find the Brave Women at Work podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Visit the show notes for the relevant links. Thanks again, and please stay in touch.